Welcome to this week's edition of Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends. I'm your hostess with the mostest. Uh, excited and happy to be here. So uh, for all the fashion lovers out here, May 1st, that's like our Super Bowl. So the Met Gala uh, was on Monday. Uh, of course, that's the, the biggest night in entertainment and fashion besides the Oscars. You know, the Met Gala is the place to be um, if you're press it's uh, and in the industry that that's the goal of the gets of all gets to get those credentials if you're a celebrity entertainer you know being invited to the Met Gala is uh, the most in, I, important uh, thing I'm hearing a little bouncing do you hear that 
Oh, so that's 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 the the and the Musk uh, uh, get ticket. So of course the Met Gala is the annual fundraising event for uh, the Costume Institute. This year, uh, the theme was Karl Lagerfeld, um, a line of beauty, which celebrates the full work and life of uh, Karl Lagerfeld. Uh, and uh, so usually the Met Gala uh, will be in line with the theme uh, of that year's exhibit. Uh, so uh, this kicked off um, the exhibit of Karl Lagerfeld at the Met Museum. So it's a, a fancy. Now you might not be able to get invited to the Met Gala, but you can go to the museum and check out the exhibit. So it chronicles his over 30-year career in a haute couture fashion, uh, his his collections from his own brand, as well as when he was the creative designer for Fendi, uh, for Chanel, and uh, Balmain. Uh, and so, of course, everybody came in um, their costumes and fabulous couture, and they were paying tribute in their different ways uh, to uh, his times in Chanel and all the other brands. Now, of course, um, the Met picking Karl Lagerfeld um, as the the theme and designer to honor was also controversial because throughout his uh, career, Karl Lagerfeld said many rude and kind of prejudiced views on on race, size, sexual orientation. Um, um, and uh, frankly, there were a lot of people who really didn't like Karl Lagerfeld, uh, but at the same point, he was a very accomplished and immensely talented designer. And that's, that's what um, this exhibit and the Met Gala was honoring. So, of course, you have to be personally invited by Anna Wintour, um, who has been on the board of the Met Gala for many years. Um, and uh, this year, Doja Cat was also on the board. Uh, so, Everybody came out in in theme. So of course, if you are uh, a, a, someone who's a fan of Chanel, you know Chanel's about pearls, the little fringy jacket, you know those 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 sweater suits and plaid suits, and and also you did see a lot of uh, trends, um, Chanel trends on the red carpet, and also uh, the. Uh, the funny thing was, while Karl Lagerfeld was a cat dad, he always always had his cute little white cat with him. So um, actor Jared Leto actually came in costume as his cat. <laughs> So he was, he was in a, a big white cat, like a literally, you know, a cat costume. And then he showed up uh, on the red carpet in full body, body cat body suit. 
<laughs> and then he took his hat, hat uh, you know, his head, his cat head off. And then he had like full um, glittery makeup on. And then he had a, a suit that he 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 uh, changed into afterwards. Um, and then Doja Cat. She she was beautiful, and she also came um, as a cat, but she did it in a very creative way because it was this bejeweled gown, but it was like uh, his cat was white. So she chose these almost like white silver beading for the dress and then had like a little a little thin hood and it was a beautiful beautiful gown it's all sparkles uh and beading uh but then she had her makeup she had a cat nose and whiskers now where i felt she took it a little too far is she you could see video if you go to vogue's website because they were uh, streaming it they, they exclusively send vogue uh, is one of the producers of the Met Gala. They I exclusively stream. And, and then there's a no social media policy. So you can only take pictures and videos on the red carpet. Uh, but once you're in, it's lights out. You know, no, no social media. So um, Doja Cat d conducted all her red carpet interviews as a cat. And was like talking on like meow 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 meow. So she she was committed. She 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 went in deep uh, on the cat theme. Uh, now I want to start off with my my top three worst dress uh, from the Met Gala. There was a lot of amazing fashion, but my 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 worst dress in my top two which really surprised me because these two ladies are usually your go-to guaranteed that you're going to get a fantastic uh, look. J-Lo is my, my top worst dress list. She was in like... She just needs to stop doing the strips of fabric with her boobs hanging out and wrapping around her body and the the bare midriff with the wrapping strips of fabric. We've seen it. We've seen it for 30 years. You know, we've seen it in the Waiting for Tonight video and the whole Versace dress, which broke the Internet and launched her career. Give us something new. Uh, you know, and the hat. And the thing is, it just everything wasn't working together. She had, it had a very beautiful black hat that she wore at a side angle and a, a little veil. But then the top of the dress is just these two strips of fabric kind of wrapped around her body. And it wasn't wrapped in a flattering way. Not that she's heavy or anything, but even the skinniest person, you can give them bad angles they're not standing in the right way in a photo if the fabric isn't draped the right way and the way they constructed these strips of fabric and wrapped it around her neck it just gave her weird skin angles and then it had this beautiful pink ball gown the hat didn't match with the look of the dress the top didn't really flow with the bottom it looked like they ran out of ideas or like they just ran out of time to make the dress. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't giving. Um, and then my other worst dressed uh, head over here was Kylie Jenner. She, she had, had this black 
beautiful bodysuit, but it was in the pelvis area, it was cut weird. It gave her kind of weird contours. Like if you're looking from head to toe, once your eyes goes down to the pelvis and near the hips, it was giving weird angles, like weird contours. And then it had these bell sleeves that went all the way down to the ground. And then it was cut way high in the back. So her butt's hanging out. The pelvis has this weird, weird contours. She's got these long draping sleeves. And and then it's high up to the neck, which is fine. But it was like, and then she had these glittery, like platform boots that were too clunky to to go with that look plus the glittery bodysuit i mean we're we've been seeing that beyonce's done that taylor swift is doing a better on tour not them beyond but equal to beyonce but if we're talking about met gala red carpet you know uh, uh, taylor swift is giving sparkly beautiful bodysuit you know many of them in the errors tour uh many looks it, it just looked like she's trying too hard like the butt's hanging out, but it doesn't make sense in the look. Um, and and I, I just, it, it was it was just a hot mess. For all the uh, brouhaha, there were, and then I also say um, Kendall was, I know uh, Kendall was the one who wore the glittery thing that was, and, and Kylie was a big miss too. Her, her actual dress, it was this red dress asymmetrical with all these cutouts. But the cape that she put with it, which had this multi-dimensional texture and kind of 3D draping, when it was together with the dress, it looked weird. It hid the dress and it gave all these odd contours and shaping. So that was a big miss because her cape just was, was pulling away from the look of the dress. Now... Talking about some of my best dressed picks. So, of course, Chanel is all about pearls and, and chains and, and the suits and all. So you definitely saw that trend on the red carpet at the Met Gala. I thought the three that did it best was Kim Kardashian. Um, I, I, I think that she probably was wearing some of her skin lines. Because what she did was she had a different foundation piece and a nude skirt and then all this jewelry was her dress so it was built over the foundation um so it was all this beautiful draping pearls um over her bust and her hips and her legs now I can't imagine it was comfortable to sit in <laughs> all right sitting on pearls isn't really come but it was beautiful she had her hair in a nice soft updo and like pretty nude jewelry I mean I'm sorry nude nude makeup um because the statement was was the jewelry dress I thought that was very very creative um also Amanda Siegfried uh, did the pearl look beautifully she was in this really pretty like soft mauve pink mini dress that was all draping pearl now her dress had more fabric to it uh, than Kim's did Kim's was like the jewelry the layering of the jewelry was her dress but with Amanda's it was more 
more of a formal construction of this cute lacy mini dress but it had all these beautiful pearls and her hair was so pretty it was long and soft with these soft uh, finger curl waves and Lizzo Lizzo it was definitely on my, well, my best dress so she had a, a beautiful pearl dress too it was two pieces it was a top and then a skirt and it was all draped in, in pearls and she had her hair in a pretty updo and every year at the Met Gala they also will have a secret performer um, so this year Lizzo was the performer at the Met Gala so we saw a little uh, a smidge of authorized video leaked as she played the flute and she was in this beautiful two-piece super sparkly gold um, metallic uh, two-piece dress that was fabulous um, <clears throat> so some of the other uh, standout best dress uh, Nicole Kidman who of course has been a brand ambassador for Chanel for many 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 years uh, collaborated with Karl Lagerfeld many years so there's a famous commercial for one of Chanel I think Chanel number no. five because she was uh, also a brand ambassador for the perfumes and there's this famous commercial of hers where she's running in this uh, uh, beautiful blush pink gown with all these like ruffle layers and stuff well she wore that in tribute uh, to the Met Gala and, and she of course was attended with Keith Urban who was in a phenomenal tuxedo to say Keith Urban was one of my best dressed men um, he had tails three-piece suit his suit was clean like it was the crispest black uh, and he was just elegantly you know guiding his queen on the uh, on the red carpet uh, so that that was a fabulous fabulous uh, look also, uh, you had, you know, roses, um, 3D roses was a, a big look and trend that we were seeing on on the red carpet because, you know, Karl Lagerfeld did a lot of, of work with draping and creating flowers through fabric. So another one of my best dressed, if we're going to talk about the flower trend, Cardi B. Was fantastic of course she's collaborated with uh, Hervé Leger and and Terry Mugler uh, many of her stunning uh, red carpet Met Gala looks she had this phenomenal black ball gown like you can go google all this she had this phenomenal black ball gown which had uh, these big huge black rosettes all on the skirt and she had a this a pretty thick pearl headband which is also another Chanel trend you know that's a classic right and she had her hair in pretty waves and she looked fantastic uh Rihanna it was there with ASAP Rocky and she had this phenomenal white long white cape um, with all these roses. Um, oh, and Janelle Monet, who never disappoints at, at the Met Gala.
she had this phenomenal outfit because you know the Met Gala is also about making the huge statement on the red carpet and deconstructing like Lady Gaga that one year where she had showed up in this long pink gown and then they kept taking it off and it became other gowns and other gowns and Blake Lively did that last year as well well Janelle Monet showed up in this beautiful black and white huge gown and coat and it had all this three elements and sparkle and then it was deconstructed on the red carpet so they take a layer off it turned into another look they took another it's like a show you know uh, and when it, it was like at the end it was a sparkly bodysuit with this hoop skirt and really interesting and you know I, I, I love it when women come with looks you know like it, they're giving us lots of different looks in the same thing um, so we had lots of fantastic uh, fashion and sparkle and glitz uh, and and, you know, a lot of black and white, yeah, because, uh, of course, um, Chanel, uh, like their classic is, is black and white. Oh, another uh, trend we were seeing was like the big three-dimensional elements to gowns, like a huge shoulder or, you know, parts that bended and wrapped and looked like flowers. Uh, so uh, Anita had this fantastic uh, black gown by Marc Jacobs, and it had a huge, huge collar that like stood up and away from from uh, the collar, the shoulder. So we were seeing a lot of multi-dimensional kind of 3D elements uh, to the gown. So, oh, and then another stunner was Jeremy Pope showed up in this fantastic Balmain cape. It was white. It was like this white fur. And it had a huge, it, like, it, it took up all the steps. I want to say the train on this cape had to be at least 30 feet. And it had a huge, huge sketch of, of Karl Lagerfeld the base of the of the train so as the cape draped on the steps to so talk about drama and making making a statement you know uh that was that was fantastic oh and little nas x showed up in an all over metallic body glitter look so he definitely was walking art so it's always really exciting at these kinds of events which you know they really want creativity to see because when you're talking about looks like that it is really a, a full-on collaboration uh between the uh the artists or actors, you know, uh, the hair, the makeup, and the wardrobe team, uh, just creating these fantastic looks. Uh, so um, we're going to jump into our first musical break. Um, we have a fantastic guest coming up today, um, urban fiction author, uh, publisher, and film director, Leo Sullivan. So we're going to be talking about his new film, um, uh, coming out, uh, which stars Columbus Short, who, of course, you know from uh, uh, so, so many award-winning movies. So uh, keep it locked into Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends, and we'll be back right after this. <laughs> 
just a few of the Zen techniques we're going to use to reignite your slumbering synapses. Alright, so I think we're all set here. Michelle here, 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 and here, and here. Date, print, and signature. So how much do I owe you? Oh, we just pay when you're finished. When will I be finished?
to this week's edition of Style Empowerment Chat with Lauren Friends Radio. So I'm very excited to introduce uh, this week's guest. You know, we always bring you the best from the worlds of fashion, music, entertainment, this uh, guest moves in all those lanes. Um, and we're uh, always about empowerment and the path of how you got there. So I am very excited to welcome to the show, author, a director, publisher, entrepreneur, Leo Sullivan. Hey, Laura, how are you? 
Oh, well, I'm so excited. I'm so excited uh, to have you on the show. Yes, it, this has been on my bucket list of things that I have to do is be on your show. My, some of my peers have been on there, and it's <laughs> truly an honor. You know, it's just just an honor to, to be here and to converse with you. So. Um, <laughs> So well, this, May is actually um, a special m- a month for for the show. So uh, this week actually kicks off our seventh year anniversary of Style and Empowerment Chat. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Right. Yeah. So. So now, Leo, um, you um, are one of the groundbreakers of the urban um, fiction genre. Um, years ago, we had um, Omar Tyree on, who also is like an urban fiction. Um, yes, right? You know, my boy Omar. <laughs> Black girl, yeah, his book was Black. Actually, him and uh, Sister Soldier, they were instrumental in, in um, the development of uh, disseminating books and, and urban books and you know they didn't know it was a market for it back then like it is um, and it just took off and, and, and I was fortunate to be a part of that era right and, and it did really really books just you know just just he sold millions of books um, and it was an audience for that and that was just a blessing you know to be able to take the, the books the writing Right now, you know, it's just kind of parallel to um, musicians. I've heard many uh, musicians that, like, when they write songs, that they, as they're writing it, not all, but some who think in the artistic global way, that they'll be writing and then they kind of envision the music video in their head. So they're kind of writing both. So since I know you move in, you know, both uh, um, books and film, which we're going to dive into both, when you're writing the books, are you kind of thinking about the treatment, the film treatment at the same time, or does that kind of just come later? You know, writing, so, so as a writer, there's mindset with these, these characters, they actually come to life and they move about, and sometimes you can have a character in your mind, and when you go to put that character's paper, it takes on a whole new Mindset, like you can say, we finna walk out the door. Um, the um, the intimacy scene and the, the characters, the life in your brain, they're like, no, I'm gonna stay here until the husband come home. A little messy, a little shade, a little messy. And so they take on, you know, your mind and the creativity and the vividness of it. It's it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but as a creator, as a Visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, some things are just truncated. Some things just, you know, just just happen, and, and you, you breathe life into that. But back to answer your question, yes and no, because you first you get the story out of your head on paper. Um, in, in that process, then once you go to read or visit what you've written, and that's when it becomes cinematic. 
know, mm-hmm. so cinematic. You can see it in your brain while you're writing it. I think it, the whole visualization, the conception of the, of the from book to movie happens in your, your head, but also once you put it on paper. And mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that, that was a great question. Yeah. and like they say, you know, the, the visual medium brings the pages of the book to life. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. <laughs> um, and doing, you know, we just come off the heels of COVID and, and you know, as the world changes and um, we, we witness, you know, everything that's happening in the environment, you know, um, it's a great cathartic escapism for writers and creators and stuff like that because you kind of silence the noise and dig within yourself and find that utopia you can just escape a lot of things you mm-hmm. know, sometimes we're just inundated with phones and emails and right. data and all that kind of stuff so it's a, it's a great escapism um, but, but to answer your question yes it, 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 a lot of it does happen especially with me because my mindset is um, if you are a writer you should be the right easy. Right. Whether it's a commercial, whether it's a movie, you know, whether it's a play, that's the beauty of having a gift. So yes. Like uh, so now I've heard um, many writer directors um, who do both uh, say that when they actually bring the screenplay to life, because for those who don't know, you know, there's a book, but then uh, basically the screenplay is like the book for the movie. Um, you know, that uh, there's two types, an adapted screenplay, which is uh, taking um, uh, from an already existing literary material, but putting their own spin on it, or an original screenplay, which was these ideas weren't out here at all, and I'm writing it from scratch but right right. so so this is all my ideas you know so well we like to think that there have been some lawsuits in hollywood and this and that where 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 that that originality was argued you know but but if we're on the regular up and up, this is how it's supposed to be. Uh, so, so I've heard many, you know, writer directors say that they also like the film genre because there's things that they can communicate through the medium of film with the work that you can't on the written page. And just like you said, like with how you verbalize things, it can read one way. But on film, you know, depending on body language, timing, inflection, you have so many different options of how you can communicate the same material from a book. Right, right. And and, and, and at the end of the day, a lot of times, you know, as writers, creators, film directors, we're all unique. And so everyone has their own method. And um, but I agree with you on that. Yeah, for the most part, some people prefer one over the other. Um, with me, um, the process is pretty much the same because when you write a book, it's, it, it requires a lot of discipline. Right. When you direct a film, it requires even more discipline. Mm-hmm. Because contrary to what people think, um, when you're working on a film project and you're directing it, um, there's so many changeable pieces and so many personalities. Right. So much going on when you're working with, you know, 40 people on set. Yep. You know? 
Yeah, you, oh, you're a writer, you're a director, you're a producer, you're a therapist. You know. Right. You're like, look, I don't have enough letters behind my name to handle this situation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And so there's personalities and stuff like that. And just, you know, everyone is unique and, you know, egos and things that, you know, you work with, you know, because with me and, and, and writers and people and visionaries, sometimes you work with people and they might want to make some nuances and make little subtle changes. Right. As, as a creator, you're like, nope, that's not what I had. No, you know, so. But some directors like di lots of different takes that they can pull from you know it all just depends because some directors are very like look i want it how i wrote it i want it how i'm seeing it in my head i don't want to right. hear all that but then others are like yeah you know just run with it give it me depends, lots of you know, it depends it depends, it depends. Mm -hmm. actually like with columbus short he was adamant about a scene that was very contentious and um i had written a certain way but we decided look at his perspective on that and we visited and seeing this with him and Erica um Erica um Paige Peoples is she star Erica Peoples is Peoples she stars opposite him but not her not this particular now, 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 may I pause? Is that of Mario Van Peoples' uh, lineage, or is that no, last no, name just no, coincidental? No. <laughs> That's just Okay. Um, and so that's what it. Oh, wait a minute. It's there's not. Of course not, because it's Van Peoples, and right. she's Peoples, <laughs> right? But you know what? Right. But you know, nowadays sometimes people edit their names and put it on all the. Right, right, and then his father was a director too. For right, the, for right. those of you who don't know, really, if we're gonna say um, talking about the urban fiction genre and urban film, New Jack City, which was directed by Mario Van Peoples, um, it really, really was one of the first mainstream, if you want to say, urban, urban film. Yes, I know exactly. And yeah, real, yeah, yeah, and, and, and all the other. <laughs> in my movie, like without hope, the new iteration. Mm -hmm. And I remember that being in 
my mind, even though I wrote this book and it was just a book and it did really well like, but I hope uh, it, it, it did extremely, it was a classic book. But when I went to direct it and change it to movie form, that scene was in my mind. Mm -hmm. It was just coincidental. But I do remember kind of like pulling from that. Yep. Um, the essence from that because it was so dramatic it was so heartfelt and then let me say this no one's gonna admit this but creators often look at other successful work and they get epiphanies from that of you know course well, yeah. also, it's our role models. Like, if we're coming, yeah. you know, if don't, we're, you don't plagiarize. Right. Like, if we are coming, yes, yeah. well, we are coming from the right lane of you're doing your own authentic things. But as you're becoming and you're finding your way, you look to the people who've done it at the level of excellence that you're aspiring right. to. It's right. a part of learning is... Yeah. Yeah. Look to yeah. the greats, you know, yeah. uh, your teachers. You know, I say this all the time, like when I started out, you know, with my show and this opportunity presented itself, in the beginning, I didn't really know what I, I was doing. And I, I thought I looked at all the great TV and radio broadcasters in Philly and beyond that I grew up on and really liked. And I emulated that and, you know, in my mind exactly. right and in my mind i'm like okay well how would lisa thomas laurie deliver this or how this or you know joan rivers on fashion police and until you find your own ways and your own voice it's not that you're pretending to be someone else or that you're copying them is that you're in your own mind looking up to that and saying until i bloom until i find my way and my, that you know i'm looking to them to guide me creatively Right, right. And, 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 and as a creator myself, there's always been instances, even in writing, if I've read something and it made me have that mm, moment where I was like, damn, that was deep. You know, like, wow, that really touched me. As a creator, as a writer, I remember that moment. And so when there's something similar or there's just something, it doesn't have to be similar, a situation that you want to be heartfelt, a situation that you right. want to convey that your audience can really, really, it becomes palpable. Um, that what I've read or what I've studied uh, motivates me in terms of you know trying to create that space that, that, the, um, that the, the reader or the audience will enjoy more immensely. So, and it's like yeah. going to school. It's it's getting your training. You think, okay, well, I admire this person or I admire that. Well, how did they do that? How did that? And then it helps you figure it out. Yeah, you'll be surprised. People have mentors who don't even know that they're mentor, but they just studied them so much they look up to them. They consider them a mentor, but they've never even met the person. I say that all. Leo, uh, <laughs> it's like we're we're sharing the same brain cell. I mean, are you sure we're not family? <laughs> I, I, I literally say that all the time. I mean, not, but, you know, frequently. That, you know, like, right? That what people will ask, well, who are people you look up to and why? And I'll say, like, look, these people are, are mentoring. And if one day I get the honor to meet these certain people, I want to say thank you for being a role model. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you for mentoring me. Because you can be mentoring someone and not even know them not even meet them be, because they're looking to you for I I inspiration you know you're you're teaching them it's motivational you just never know who's watching you so 
there's so many people as, as I look back at my life and you know things that I'm trying to achieve when I have achieved they were instrumental you know people I've never met that I've studied their work mm-hmm. um, they were just influential you know and doing uh, what I'm trying to you know achieve and stuff like that so now for our listeners who who don't know you know we're tossing around this the uh, this phrase urban urban fiction and urban film genre can you explain to our listeners what what really the urban film and literature genre is like what what makes it that as opposed to other genres and also just how you evolved into writing um and and you know, finding passion in that genre. Okay, so first, if I had to speak on um, my definition of urban, let's say it entails um, the street people, people who may have not had access to a lot of liberties, a lot of finances, but they've had the war with all to um, set a standard, the war with all to um, look and to achieve um, their process by all means and so urban also gives plight to to the life of, of people who come from certain backgrounds mm-hmm. not necessarily poor and the rich of the earth but just people who come from tradi- traditional lifestyle traditional families and may, some of them may not have, have access to that um, the beauty of urban filmmaking though what makes it so incredible how talent can come together and be economical but at the same time achieve success without having all the things that Hollywood necessarily dictates that you should have. Yeah, and it, and it forces, like they say, necessity is the mother of invention. Right. It, right? It, it, if, it, it, you know, I feel it like separates the men from the boys, you know. It's how you grow your muscle, your, your business muscle, your problem-solving muscle. When you have to do more with less... It, 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 and you have big goals and dreams. It, right. it makes you not only work harder, but you learn more because you have to. You have to, have to. And so, being economic is, is one of those things that the same per, per, same purpose to be able to work with what you have and what resources that you have. A lot of times, you, you know, a, a lot of urban films may not have multi million dollars to, mm-hmm. you know, to lease the airport, uh, a couple of million dollars have 50 police cars right a Learjet and and that's just the beginning of the film (laughs) right 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 so what we do have though is a genuine love and appreciation and the passion Mm -hmm. and the storyline and plot and community the community to bring this into fruition and to make something wholesome something great that you can enjoy I mean you'd be surprised you know like I've saw directors um, pull things off like sometimes you have to spend a whole bunch of money on the license mm-hmm. a license to be able to shoot here shoot there and then sometimes you're like you know what instead of getting the mall I'll just work at this at my partner's uh, store and pull the same shot off and, and and maybe just do an exterior shot of the mall but uh, actually exactly. sh- but actually Let me find out. I used to do film over there. So that's 
it had, and it sounds, please don't take it by how it sounds, but there's a thing called gorilla shooting. Gorilla shooting. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, I can I can relate. Um, you 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 don't book a room in the hotel because you don't have budget, but you get your hair and you get your makeup done in the lobby, and and run into the bathroom and get your gown on and run to your event. And you make right off what you have. Right. <laughs> in other words, it's called doing what you have to do. Yes. Everything else will come eventually if that was meant for you. It's meant for you. So, but it's the craft itself is it's just so important. Mm-hmm. You know, with technology changing, as we continue to evolve, the great thing about shooting red cameras and dragging and all that, when it first came out, I was like, oh, Lord, I've never made it for one of those. They were like $80,000, 70 Now you get those same cameras for like six or $7,000. Wow. Yeah, and you know nowadays too, um, I feel that the smartphones and and iPhones and everything in the last few years, and now that they sell all these different kinds of like gadgets, different kinds of stands and ring lights and all that stuff, uh, and that really has I feel burst during the pandemic. Um, so many of these devices enable you to be like a mid-level videographer, film director, without all the, the big, big fancy cameras. Budgets and all that. Now, now, now listen, I want to say this, and it's just so sincere. I, I don't know about brain, my brains are so similar because I fastidiously spent a couple of weeks looking at what you just said. I spoke to somebody about, about that very thing today about shooting thing on the phone. So it's ironic that you right. should say that. <laughs> right. Well, I have to say, a lot of my, you know, red carpet coverage and hosting, a lot of times I just do it on my phone. Well, right? Right? Or I'll have my assistant just shooting me. Because the other thing, too, is I have so many different editing things on my phone. And I like to be able to upload it right away. And, that I, you know, I'm sure you're this way. I, like I like things done a certain kind of way and a certain and I just don't always I, I don't always want to wait because right. if I if I do it on your your device well then I gotta wait for you to send it to me right, right? so I'd rather like look here's how you point and just point and aim you know right and and the interesting thing too, just seeing how this is just growing and evolving. Um, we were just talking. The Met Gala was on Monday, 
and you know right there's lots of photos out there like i was studying and really struck just how many press people were just there i mean you had your big cameras and tv networks and all but as i was looking at photos you know because that's one of my dreams and goals to get is to cover the met gala um you know i'm looking wait a minute there's a lot of people in this press corps that are just shooting with their cell phones so that's, that's right. It's incredible because people can do that with technology. Actually, I'm, it's interesting you, you should mention that too because I really feel like in the next five or ten years, those big bulky cameras are going to be antiquated. Mm-hmm. I really seriously do because tech, the explosion of technology makes everything so convenient now. And that's, you know, like really, you can look at a, a 6K camera on the phone compared to expensive hundred thousand dollar camera and can pretty much not tell them apart footage wise if it's edited right right and especially if you layer on now there's all these different apps and filters right, and techniques and stuff right. there's so much techniques that you can do with the evolution of technology so it's gonna it's pushing a lot of people out of business and pushing a lot of people who didn't work cost effective couldn't do things they had they can be able to achieve their means and goals mm-hmm and, and you know uh, when you're an entrepreneur you got to learn different ways to do different things because yeah. especially when you don't have a, hu- a huge budget right but you want yeah. you want to create good product well sometimes you got to be the this and you got to be the that and you got to be right. yeah you, you have to look what's, what's relevant and what's cost effective um Exactly. But you know, when you're when you're a billionaire, it's easy to do things things fast and right. <laughs> you know, those nine those nine zeros behind your name makes yeah. it makes the process a little easier. Yeah, it, it, it definitely but, but you know, talking about inspiration. Tyler Perry, you know, some people might know this, others not. You know, Tyler Perry was homeless. And, and you know, and now he, he's a successful TV film director, producer, business mogul, and billionaire. I really could. I, I really, I think he's really the template for what people should study in terms of becoming adversity and trials and tribulations because Tyler Perry makes his story also was the fact that he slept in his car for a whole year, saved up money to do a play, get the play, and the play flopped. Mm-hmm. So he had to go sleep in his car some more, save up his money, did it, and it was a success. And so let's I, just pause on that, Leo. No, he failed. Right? He right. failed. 
But he didn't let that knock him down and give up and think, well, maybe I shouldn't pursue this. It's, if he had, we wouldn't have some of the huge stars we have now, many successful TV shows, and also all the opportunity he has provided, not only for actors and uh, as a whole, but one of the things I really love and admire about Tyler is he has is his specific commitment to provide leverage, equity, training, opportunity to his community. Yes, he's, he's most definitely giving back, and he's helped the economics mm -hmm. of his environment, the community, and those around him. So he's very disciplined at what he does as well. So, and uh, uh, he he's, he's the first um, black-owned, um, uh, what's it called? I'm sorry, I'm tired of my brains in many places. Sounds, you know, he has his big sound stage, his big yeah, studio in Atlanta. in Atlanta, and he is uh, he is the first um, black entrepreneur, business owner to own multiple sound. He owns he owns the whole move. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, he, and he has multiple sound stages, and, and and he is not only is he one of few to do this. Period. But he he but he is the only black film mogul to open up his own studio with multiple sound stages, a huge campus, you know, places you can rent out provide many jobs and opportunities and he he uh, named the sound stages after many icons like Cicely Tyson and uh, Oprah Winfrey and you know paying homage to the greats yeah and you have to you know anytime you do something and you're very successful there's gonna be naysayers and stuff like that in, mm -hmm. in the city with um achievements and, and and i do hear people have their little things to say about you know him just like they talk about jesus so you know exactly a, a, a layman but at the end of the day um he's a pioneer yes and even in my filmmaking um i've studied him and i've watched you know how he shoots some of the scenes and stuff like that and, and not just that he's instrumental my development um, you know just motivating and and we talked earlier about having a mentor that's one of my mentors who doesn't know it either Mm, mm. <laughs> well now did you uh, go to film school Leo or are you like self-taught or a little of both I'm, I'm actually I was working on so many projects so when I did my um, I, when I wrote the book I wrote a script and so then when I wrote the script I hired the director to shoot it she wasn't really good and so I was like ah. so I had to pull the plug on the project but I still was out of like thousands of thousands, probably $80,000, something like some crazy amount of money. Mm. And so I tried one more time. And so same, same, it was a summer madness. And so I hired a director and in the process we were at nine months and we were behind schedule and we were out of money. He needed more money. And that's when I just said, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. Luckily I had been on, you know, I was in that environment and I was watching and I was taking notes. Um, and so what I did was I just, you know, got books on directing and, you know, things of that nature. Mm. And there's an old adage, and I, when you were talking earlier, I wanted to say this, and I'm going to say it now. You were talking about your achievements, some people's achievements. And, and this is going to sound so crazy, but I, I know it to be true. Um, if you want to learn something, teach it. 
Mm. <laughs> so, like, speaking, I remember my public speaking was going to go, I used to be terrified of public speaking, but I started speaking in engagements and stuff like that, and I was pretty much teaching when I was learning. Mm. They say fake it till you make it. Sometimes the best uh, way to learn is just to throw yourself in there. And so I had so much at stake, I don't have a choice but to get it right. Because mm. you just get it right. And so even earlier when you talked about, we talked about failure. It was not really failure if you learn from your experiences. You exactly. You learn from it like Tyler was in his car yeah and you know i gotta say that is one of the most exciting parts of learning isn't it exciting and and and, and empowering when you catch your mistake and you can figure and you can then you can walk yourself analytically how to do it better how to fix it and then you're like i feel like such a badass look i i, I messed up but i figured this out I learned from mistakes. I learned from watching other people. You basically learn what not to do. Right, right. And in my line of work, we call that best practices. <laughs> All right? What? Yeah. Right? <laughs> my first film is on Amazon now. It's the Summer Madness. shot a scene where I spent all this money on special effects and person was dead, got shot in the face with a shotgun. So we had to hire a special effects person to come in. This guy's face all gory looking and stuff. Mm. Um, director at that time shot the scene, shot the scene. We got to put that guy in there. Oh, no. I was like, oh, I'm going to mess my money. I, so I was, <laughs> yeah, that was it for me. I was done. <laughs> yeah, like... Yes. So it could just, like, case in point, guy walks into a room one day, he had on a tire, and then we had to close the scene. The next day, same scene, but oh my God, his tire is gray. See, now they call that continuity. Continuity. Yes. Continuity. So. The reason why I speak about that because I've seen these. Oh, people I, mess up on that, though, so often. That's the, that's the style of this job. Yes. They'll take a picture and make notations. This is what he was wearing for this particular scene. Because the director I, can't remember every oh, single yeah, movie, no, but no you know? Possible. There's no way. You, I mean, the director has so many things to remember so much. You know, the directing, the paying attention, the lighting, the time of the lighting. Um, right. You know, cast, what time we need to close. Blocking. Um, the, the blocking, the lines, how you want to sit. And, and, and working with certain talent, you have to be conscientious of yeah because with actors there's so many things because acting right. it's an emotional and it's a mental it's thing emotional. and there's a process for them to get to that place where they're going to give the best performance right. for you and some people can like, oh this is melodramatic it's ego it's child but everybody has a different neural that's the, that's makeup the, and things that they need to get to that place so I try to, as a director, when we talked earlier, we were talking about being a, a counselor and all those things. And that really is true. So I've been in situations where 
Um, she just couldn't get her lines right, but the lines mm. were so profound. I get it as a director, and so I'll have to call cut, allow her to get into space. You know what I'm talking about? And so, because this is a scene that's very passionate, she's mm. crying, heart felt, you know. And so I, I, instead of just like, you need to get it, it's going to take us longer, but I want this talented person to find their medium to create, they're meant to create. So sometimes my cast is, uh, the crew is like, Leo, really? This lady been doing this, whole, this, this line for hours. <laughs> but I would rather have quality. Yes. Than quantity. Yes, you know exactly. So, you know, the, 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 pro- the process is worth the result. Yeah, so I mean, so long as nobody's being hurt or mistreated, you know, all right, you know, we're not dehumanizing people, you know, the process is worth it. And you have to be when you're creating uh, um, and, and as an entrepreneur, a key to being successful and longevity is patience. It's patience. And that patience and discipline. Well, you just said a mouthful. You're so, so right. You're so right about that. And that's, in, in any business, you want success and you want a good representation of yourself and you do care about your moral ethics and your integrity, not just yourself, but the people around you as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, what you put out is what, I mean, you can't unring the bell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so my, my talent is telling me, Leo, I'm having a problem with this or, you know, I, I can't get into character. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give them schisms. I'm not going to give them a difficult time because I understand what's at stake. Yes. I understand what's at stake. And so other people around me, they get paid by the hour or by the day sometimes. So they're like, man, I'm trying to go home and get this over. With. Like, you know, and I don't even listen to that because it's very humane to me. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's just their passion. We need to get this to work right. And if it takes for you to get in your, your zone, your space, I'm good with that. Now, what would be problematic and this is habitual. Yes, yes. And my feeling is, if, if, if well, first of all, you're getting paid at your job. So why, what difference Fine. is it? But also, why put your name behind something that isn't good? If you're you're in it, don't you want it to be good? So let's all grow Fine. up, put our big boy and girl panties on, and, you Fine. know, and uh, put the work in. Right. No, no, you're right. And that's, I think, you know, once you know how to weed that those things out and know how to identify mm-hmm. situations like that, and you know, as being the helm of the ship, that neither the ship everyone follows believes. So even there is something that's contentious or something that I feel is just downright problematic, it's very important that you deal with those situations accordingly without losing your. Because sometimes whenever you get a fraternity of people together, especially a lot of people, long hours. That's gonna be schisms. Yes, hiccups. Whether you're at your church, whether you're in the emergency room, whether you're at your son's basketball game, that's gonna be some schisms. Yes. How you address that is is how you alleviate a whole lot of problems. The Mm -hmm. energy that you can give, you know. So I never feed into that, and I've had some issues on set before, and just working as you know with a staff of a hundred people. Yes. Because you, you have to be focused because you really, like you said several times, it's so true. When you're directing a film or TV or um, a music video, whether it's five people involved or 500, you are the leader. So you have to be calm, cool, collected. You have to be a good communicator. You have to have organized because all these people are looking to you. to. For, 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 
camera was just broken. The camera that you didn't even, you know, finish paying for or something like that. <laughs> You're like, great! Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic! I'm now $5,000 in debt. Wonderful! <laughs> Anything else you can do for me today? But but you can't snap even when you see your money going down the toilet. Yeah, I was working on a project, and now what's big and a lot of people, yeah. I don't know if y'all dealing with it in, um, in Philly, but you can't leave your cars, any, anything in your, your items in your car, because um, they're doing, like, especially downtown Atlanta, they've been doing a lot of burglaries and stuff like that, mm. stuff like that. so we had some stuff that was... Yeah, Temple's been having a lot of that happening here in Philly. Yeah, so, yeah it's, 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 been a kind of, it's, it's been interesting. So we had a van and we had all the equipment in the van and we came to work this thing. A lot of the equipment anyway, not all of it. And, and, uh, someone had stolen all the van equipment. Um, that was the capacity. What I was most concerned about was we had pride. We hit this week and just threw yes. it out. Yeah, I had took that in and dumped it that night. Poo. So, so, so that's something I didn't even think about. That's the best practice. Take your film out every night and back it up. So God forbid if something happens, you don't lose both the film and, and the equipment. Oh, Lord. Now, the film was devastating. I mean, lose the film stuff, but to lose, you know, the cameras and stuff like that was bad. Yeah. Yes. Now, 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 filmmaking also, you know, uh, uh, costs a lot of resources. So, can you give some, you know, insight and advice to other filmmakers or inspiring filmmakers listening about raising funds um, for your films and just util- how to most best utilize your your resources? Right. Okay, I'm sorry, I was reading an emergency. Somebody sent me something. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, it was really stupid. But, yeah. Um, so, my, I apologize. So it's my, okay. My advice, my advice would be, this is very important what I'm going to say. You hire your crew, of, as we say in the industry, as you crew up, it's very, very, very important. Very important that each crew member, you do a full body research on if the audio guy who's going to be responsible for your sound, which is the core essence of your film, have to make sure this guy's credible, make sure he has a resume, um, make sure he's dependable. Also, I, you know, and that goes with the videographers, that goes with every single person, you know, because it depends on, you know, some people can shoot with a short crew, some people can shoot with a longer crew. I mean, you know, you can just get away with like four or five people. Right. Only I, I work with about probably 12 in all um and the grip supervisor sound guy um and so but you have to do your research on everyone independently and not just take them face value because once you get entrenched in the whole um 
process, you will be so locked in that you don't have time to go back and study people, find out what they do, their resumes, their backgrounds. You know, right. Kind of stuff. So this is really, 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 really important. Secondly, is make sure your budget. This happens to a lot of film directors, a lot of novice film directors. <clears throat> make sure you're, you, you have enough capital what it is that you're trying to achieve. So what you don't want to do is end up in the graveyard of hurry up and wait because you ran out of now what advice would you give um in generating capital that's a good question because a lot of times my peers do is they'll find investors and that be producers and stuff like that okay you can google grants i can't name right off yeah i was just gonna say there's a lot of of grants grants available for aspiring film directors or film directors Mm -hmm. um grants are very good if you're tenacious and just you know putting the paper out work and having patience and um, yep. those are the methods and stuff that you should go by uh, I do know peers who have done it you know, all this thing is just patience though mm-hmm. um, and consistency consistency also scouting so mm-hmm. you get all these great ideas this happened to me before too <laughs> <laughs> and, and you go to this to this spot where you're supposed to film at I wasn't made aware of that. Right. You're like, shoot! I was plotting my whole uh, big part of my right. film project around this. Yes. Right. And so you have all these people at this head director. You have all the, your whole crew. Mm. Like, what do we do now? Mm. Me, I've always been there because I've had it happen to me twice. Each time, just kept it flowing. Yeah. Um, that's what I told you about gorilla shooting. You gotta be resourceful and just be able to pivot. Right, because at the end of the day, you got turned down from an establishment that you were supposed a location. Um, your crew still needs to be compensated and paid. Um, and and also mm-hmm. low budget films or early films. I don't want to project them as being the same, but they they're pretty much close. If you don't have a lot of capital, what you do have to do is make sure you feed crew mm-hmm. well. You can't pay them well. No excuse not to feed them well. Right. So it's very, very, very important. I'm not saying lobster and steak. Right, but we can get some. We can get some hoagies and some pizza. Some hoagies, you know, some you know, Domino's. Some Domino's once a week. Can't even do Domino's a lot either. Though, but so something, <laughs> you know, just yeah, something. Just get some chicken, fried chicken, some you know. Um, and even seeing if you can get a food sponsor. You know, would a would a restaurant want to do the, do the set catering in exchange for credits in the film? Right. You know, so I think too, like trade for trade, as we call it. Right. You know, is also when you're you know working your budget up. You know, in in the beginning, but even even still, people do that. Look, I'll do this for you if you do. Uh, you know, as you get elevated, it's called professional courtesies. Yeah. <laughs> and, right, but you everything that you have at your disposal uh, in order mm-hmm. for this to become effective. But those are just some of the things, that, and I've seen, I've seen. Film directors crash and burn for not trying to follow their paradigm. Of, yeah. You know, what is required and try not to take shortcuts. Yes. Because you know, if someone knows somebody, maybe this person is a great um, cinematographer, this person is a great, you know, 
And surround yourself with people who are as passionate about it as you are. And, and I feel also who are open to learn and who aren't guarded. Like it's all about collaboration and respecting each other's ideas and what we bring to the table. Yes. <laughs> so, and now, all right, so let's talk a little before we go. Let's talk a little bit more in depth with Life Without Hope, a new chapter. So that's your current film. So can can you talk a little bit about, about the story and the characters? Okay, so this, the story is old school as you can get and so i'm a romanticist and so i love nothing wrong with that i love the traditional which i think we've fallen so far away from our values and things that were hard to us you know we grew up grandma and granddad you know it was was always love in the house and um it was just a good example to fall from to fall into just this love the true essence of love so the protagonist i mean i mean uh, the heroine is, is low is hope She's Hope Evans. She's a college student. Her dream is to always go to college and to help um, people who are less fortunate. In the process of that, she goes to college and she wants to be a lawyer. She graduates from law school, but while she's in, co- in college, she has this uh, relationship with the guy, which is um, Columbus Short. He's a street guy. He's somewhat of a gangster. He comes from an impoverished background. She has a child by him was pregnant but she was in a relationship so she never didn't find out until the baby was born then she was married and baby belonged to Columbus Short which is uh, life so the book the movie is entitled Life Without Hope so hope ah. and then there's, there's hope and there's life so gotcha. that's, that's his name her name um, gotcha life is a, a testament to his characters just we are a product of our environment sometimes we come from backgrounds but it doesn't mean that we don't change so he finds himself in the criminal justice system and lo and behold Hank is working for the criminal justice system she finds out that he's incarcerated and they have a dark secret she has a child by him but not just that by working for the prosecutor's office she also discovers that his lawyer is tinted and he doesn't have his best interest at heart. Uh uh-uh. So there's lots of lots of twists and turns and and right. se- and secret right. lives going on right. and Uh, well, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Columbus Short is one of my my favorite actors. So, uh, of course, our listeners may or may not know. I mean, if it's just he, you want to talk about a triple threat, you know, comedy, drama, dancer, singer, uh, p- piano player. Um, of course, he rose to fame in. Um, uh, so, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, Darren DeWitt happened. Uh, did the it's one of my favorite. Favorite movies, and of course, just as I'm about to say it, my mind is blanking. 
<laughs> stomp the yard yes okay yes yes and you know one of our, our, our my earliest guests was Darren DeWitt Henson who did the choreography for stomp the yard and he played Grant Megan Good's oh. jerk boyfriend all right oh, you know, I, was, you know, I, was, I was just watching that movie like two days yes <laughs> so I have to dig, dig in my archives but I actually have a little video of me me and Darren and I met him I had I had my little fangirl and I'm like look can we do the Cobra Kai together <laughs> and so, so, so he did the snake with me it was awesome <laughs> so, uh, and then of course Columbus also starred in Cadillac Records with Beyonce and played Muddy Waters uh, so like you you have real heat with Columbus short in, in that role Well, you know, don't we all? And, you know, love is what brings us together. It's the inspiration for so many things. Self-love, family love, romantic love, our journey to love, what, what, what we learn from love, the pain of love, like, you know, grief, all, all these different things are timeless topics that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Um, in fact, while I was on the phone, which I just got a text today, it was a shooting and someone, one of my loved ones is pinned down. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so that's those are the things that we're getting these days instead of just, you know, getting back to those values. But, you know, I, I, all we can do is our part and love each other and continue to create mediums that will bring us together, a wholesome, and, you know, and I hope yes. you guys will like this, this, this film once it comes out. Hopefully you invite me back on the show too. Yes, of course. Um, well, I'm so excited uh, to see, to see your film, and you know, I'm also excited because as as uh, we've been talking, I'm just thinking about multiple things and people and stuff. I'm really excited to try and bring some networks together and to do some things together. And and uh, you know, you just have such a great spirit and personality and really just are so talented and I'm I'm super excited just to kind of go collaborate and 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 circle our horses together and, and be able to make some some connections and do some good things yes Marilyn thank you so much and I look forward to just achieving that and also um, you and I talked privately about something 
um, before we went on air. I'll definitely look at to make sure I see what you, what you were talking about as far as the communications and I'll um, mm-hmm. promote that as well. Perfect, perfect. So now, if our listeners want to follow you on social media or, you know, go to your websites and check your stuff out, um, uh, where can they go? Um, you can find me at neosullivan.com. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram at L. Sullivan Presents. And Facebook will be Arthur Leo Sullivan. And so... Um, if you Google my name, it's a plethora of stuff. Yes, so we can find your books and your movies, books, yeah. your merchandise. Yeah. Yes. Design, everything is there. In um, my movies, like I said, I have like four movies on um, Tubi. Okay. And, and Amazon, so those are available too if you want to look at it. Matter of fact, there's um, the first movie of Life Without Hope. Uh, that stars... Um, that stars Jordan Poole. Oh. Not that Jordan. Oh. <laughs> and Andre Fuller. Okay. Um, he actually, Andre was uh, uh, um, also known from, um, he played in True to the Game as well. Okay, nice. That's another project. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Oh, uh, likewise, you know, I wish you continued success, prosperity, and, and great connections and alignment. So everybody go check out A Life Without Hope, a new chapter. You know, go go uh, follow Leo Sullivan. We're going to uh, pop into another musical break. We'll be back after this as we continue our kickoff of year seven of Style and Empowerment Chat with Lauren Friends. Yay! I wanna take a ride on a disco stick. Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. I wanna take a ride on a disco stick. I wanna kiss you, but if I do, then I might miss you, babe. It's complicated and stupid. Got my by sexy cupid guess he wants to play wants to play i love game i love game hold me and love me just wanna touch you for a minute maybe three seconds is enough for my heart to quit have some fun this beat is sick i wanna take a ride on your disco stick don't think too much just bust that stick i wanna take a ride on your disco stick let's play a love game play a love game do you want love or you want fame or you want love game Just bust that stick I wanna take a ride
music Let's play a love game, play a love game Do you want love or you want fame or you win the game? Know the love game Let's play a love game, play a love game Do you want love or you want fame or you win the game? Let me wrap you 
with you, baby Yeah, you're something that'll drive you crazy Will you say that you stay? Cause when we die, make it love, we need all And I wanted to wrap you in
and welcome back to Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and friends. Give it a little throwback, Madonna. Rescue me, always, uh, uh, always can uh, can count on Madonna for some great, great music and empowerment. You know, it's a catalog that spans over forty years. So uh, the other uh, big thing happening uh, in uh, the world uh, this week for all of our glam lovers of pomp and circumstance and jewels and bedazzlement is King Charles uh, is uh, being coronated uh, on Saturday where he will officially become uh, the King of England uh, with uh, Queen Camilla uh, Consort. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, uh, he, for, for only happens, you know, once every 50 years or so. So, uh, the BBC will be running, uh, the coronation all day. Uh, so it is a series of, uh, parades and, uh, pomp and circumstance. Uh, so it's, uh, the uh, coronation is comprised of three stages. So, uh, Charles Ascension took place when, uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away. Um, and, and now, uh, the word coronation is derived from the Latin word corona, meaning a crown, but it's much more than literally placing a crown on the sovereign's head. It's a symbolic um, coming together of uh, the monarchy, church, uh, state, and a, a tradition. So the palace has said it will reflect the monarch's role today and look towards the future while being rooted in longstanding traditions and pageantry. So uh, you'll be able to watch the ceremony itself, which begins at 6 a.m. Eastern time for our early birds on CNN here uh, in, in the United States. So it's also going to be running on the BBC. Uh, so uh, the uh, coronation will be shorter than his mother's which was 70 years ago uh, back then the ceremony was the first live royal event ever to be televised and it ran for more than three hours but this time around the service will be two hours um According to uh, the Duke of Norfolk, whose family has been responsible for orchestrating the state occasion since 1482. Uh, now, the coronations have stayed largely the same for more than a thousand years, and the organizers are leering on that more of structure so it doesn't, you know, run too, too long. So, uh, what happens during uh, the coronation is the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, will conduct the ceremony. The core elements of the service are the recognition, oath, and anointing, uh, the investiture and crowning, followed uh, by an enthronement and homage. So the recognition is when the sovereign stands in the theater of the abbey uh, and presents him or herself to the people. After taking uh, the coronation oath, uh, which is a vow to rule according to law, exercise justice with mercy and maintain the Church of England, the monarch is then anointed with holy oil 
by the Archbishop. Now, the moment is considered to be one of the most sacred parts of service, and that part wasn't televised until 1953. So uh, the Archbishop has explained why he won't see the king um, either writing in the official souvenir program that he said, you know, why that part won't be on TV because... um, uh, the Archbishop has said it's a symbol of being uh, commissioned by the people for a special task for which God's help is needed. It's a moment when the king is set apart for service, service of the people of his country and service uh, of God. Now, the next part, the investiture, is when the sovereign is dressed in sacred coronation robes and presented with the symbols of the monarchy, which are the orb, the coronation ring, and the scepters, uh, and other jewels. Now, you know, all these uh, things are owned by the state, um, not actually the specific um, king or queen and uh, these things are stored in the Tower of London uh, so uh, the robes, the crowns, it's actually owned by by the country um, so <coughs> toward the end of the ceremony a St. Edward's crown is placed at the, up <clears throat> the monarch's head so that's the one you see in the, all the pictures the big purple one with the cross on top and the big ruby in the in the center um so traditionally princes and peers make their way to the sovereign uh, to pay their respects in what is known as homage this time, though, uh, it's thought that only Prince William will kneel before the king. Meanwhile, the peers have been replaced by the public. So that's a new um, modern twist that uh, King Charles has done, where he's opening up to the public who have been invited to swear allegiance to Charles, if they wish. Um, so now... It's uh, said that the service features quite a few pieces of sacred coronation regalia. Um, uh, So um, in uh, 1661, following the restoration of the monarchy the year before, um, its medieval predecessor, um, an orb was melted down in 1645, um, dating back uh, to... Uh, King Edward. So it's uh, it's not an exact replica of the earlier design, but just um, a newer version with the fleur de leaves uh, and the two arches uh, made of solid gold. Um, the crown is adorned with 444 precious stones. Can you imagine how heavy that is uh, as put on your head? I, I remember um, seeing an interview with Queen Elizabeth when she was saying that, you know, the crown is beautiful and important and symbolic, but it weighed like 40 pounds. So she only wanted to wear it just briefly because it takes a lot of weight on your neck. So the crown is um, has rubies, amethysts, sapphires, and other gems 
gems and it's fitted with a purple velvet cap an emerald band historically the crown was supposed to remain in Westminster Abbey so a second crown was created for the sovereign to wear out of the Abbey now the second crown is the imperial state crown which may be a more familiar you know that's the one you see in in the photographs um, and it has over 2800 diamonds and, and uh, rubies uh, and it's a replica of Queen Victoria's uh, crown now once the spiritual elements of the service are over King Charles and Camilla will head to St. Edward's Chapel uh, a stone shrine at the heart of the abbey where the king will put on the imperial state crown so he's actually through the ceremony puts on several crowns during you know different stages and so then uh, they'll prepare to return back to Buckingham Palace so the king will be reusing several historical garments worn by previous monarchs at past coronations during Saturday's service. Uh, and uh, so, you know, and then, of course, during the coronations, you see all the archbishops and, you know, high-ranking members of the, the church and all these just glorious, beautiful robes. Uh, and, of course, you know, uh, everybody will just be in in just fabulous fashion as well so the royal uh, celebration of course there'll be a, proce a proce uh, procession um, through the streets of uh, of Britain um, one will take the king uh, to be crowned and after the service there'll be a, a procession back to Buckingham Palace where the monarch and members of the royal family will make the historical balcony appearance, you know, and wave. And then there'll be uh, a fly past of 60 aircrafts that'll fly over Buckingham Palace uh, for over six minutes. Uh, now, uh, then, and then, of course, uh, the London Metropolitan Police Service has said that more than 29,000 officers will be deployed uh, throughout the week lining the streets uh, to keep, you know, order. Uh, and so there's also been a lot of speculation over how the king intends to make his coronation more inclusive while reflecting his vision of the future monarchy. So it'll be interesting to see um, the, the different ways in which, you know, King Charles puts his stamp on uh, the coronation process. Uh, so uh, there's, and, and if you uh, watch the BBC and CNN and a lot of the British cable channels right now are running lots of, you know, great royal based programming right now and things on Princess Diana and the history of the monarchy to get, get us all, all you know, uh, uh, in the zone uh, to, to get our royal on. 
on. So um, that's uh, exciting uh, for the weekend. Uh, so we're uh, coming to the end of this week's show. I hope you drew uh, some empowerment and inspiration uh, from uh, this week's guest. Uh, we'll be back next week as we continue our seven-year anniversary. I want to thank all of our stations um, that carry style and empowerment chat, take it to the streets radio, WHTO Urban Radio The Land. Uh, Sweet Romance uh, Radio in the Philippines, FM World Pakistan, uh, Downtown Hot Radio in Atlanta, London Energy Radio in the UK, the Hits Network in uh, the UK, Blackpool Radio in the UK, and all of you who write in all the time and you know, share share your feelings about the show and and guests that you love. Uh, so it's exciting as we're coming into year seven, and you know, like shooting a film, we're all in this together. So thank everybody for all their support, and I hope you'll have a fantastic week. Uh, you know, keep uh, keep us uh, locked in all week. You can follow us on social media, and um, I hope you have a fantastic day and we will be back with more next week. I've been holding on to pieces Swimming in the deep end Trying to find my way back to you Cause I'm needing a little bit of love A little bit of love A little bit of love Lately I've been counting stars And I'm sorry that I broke your heart It's something that I didn't want for you but I'm stepping on broken glass And I know this is my final choice All I'm trying to do is find my path to you I got voices in my head and there's a definite silence I got voices in my head and I collide I've been holding on to pieces Swimming in the deep end Trying to find my way back to you Cause I need it A little bit of love Just like the air I'm breathing These open wounds ain't healing Try to find my way back to you Cause I need it A little bit of love 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 Lately I've been waking up In a dreamy state calling your name Stayed up to late 